Hello and thank you for tuning in to the second ever Rally Towel Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by RallyTowel.ca. My name is Steven Sahoyas and on this episode I'm going to be talking about average draft position risers and fallers since the 2020 NFL Draft and you know every year the draft rolls around we see fantasy football draft boards shaking up you know you got new faces and new places what goes up must come down right there's got to be that balance so while some guys have seen their value increase since the draft others you know the opposite is true for them they've seen their value decrease so let's start talking about some of those players who have had a little bit more movement in their ADP and the first one I'm going to talk about is Clyde Edwards-Alaire as one of the risers being drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs he saw his ADP rocket up draft boards he was going at pick 88.64 in nffc drafts prior to the nfl draft and just a heads up all of the adps i'm going to run off and list off here are from the nffc so he was going around pick 88.64 prior to the draft and since then it's been all up it's been beautiful for clyde edwards allaire's adp he's now going as pick number 24.14 so he has shot up 64 picks in nffc drafts which is a huge increase and it's hard not to just uh, to see why it's justified i mean he gets to go now and play in a kansas city offense that is just a fantasy point producing machine he gets to play with Patrick Mahomes. He gets to play in an offense with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. You know, I could l- go on and on. And and Andy Reid as the head coach, we've seen he knows how to use backs, especially pass-catching backs, and make them effective fantasy football players. So with Edwards Alaire being one of, if not the best, pass-catching back in this draft class, it's hard not to get excited. It's hard not to to pick him before you know pick 24 in your fantasy football league because there's just so much upside with a talent like this and you can't forget either that they spent a first round pick on him which is why i'm not really listening to what they're saying about this being a competition you know from the beginning camp starts you draft the guy in the first round you want to look smart as a general manager you don't want the people to second guess your draft choice so you're going to try to get this ball the, this guy the ball as much as you can and you're going to try to make that pick look as good as possible. So for me, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, this is his backfield. They might sprinkle Damian Williams in. I could see him getting a bit of work, but this is Clyde Edwards-Alaire's backfield. Next up on my list is a guy who, no, he didn't benefit by being drafted from a team, but he benefited at the draft, and that's Matt Breida going from a crowded backfield in San Francisco with the 49ers to a wide-open situation in Miami with the Dolphins. Like, let's be real. His only competition is Jordan Howard, and I see that being very much a running back by committee where Howard handles a lot of the short-distance work and, you know, in, inside the 20 and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff, kind of the, the muckier where, where you want a, a running back, a big a bit of a bigger bruising running back. But I see Matt Breida handling a lot of the work in between the 20s, and that could actually be a sneakily rewarding position on a Dolphins team that doesn't have too difficult of a schedule. Now, obviously, it's hard to tell before the season starts how difficult a schedule is, but on paper, it doesn't look that bad for the Dolphins, and they've improved quite a bit this offseason. So, in my opinion, I think Matt Breida, who has seen his ADP jump from pick number 214 uh, in NFFC drafts to pick number 108.86 now 
in NFC NFFC drafts is a bit of a sneaky value there because he's going to handle a lot of work and he's a better pass catcher in my opinion than Jordan Howard who has always kind of struggled in that aspect of the game so to me Breida a little bit of a sneaky value right now in NFFC leagues having a tough time with that one today Next guy I'm going to list off, Cam Akers. And similarly to Edwards Alaire, he benefits from his landing spot in the draft. Going to the Rams was probably the second best spot outside of Kansas City, and his ADP has benefited greatly. He went from being picked number 91.66 in NFFC League's ADP to pick 55.71. So uh, almost 40 position increase for Edwards, or excuse me, Cam Akers and it's hard not to get excited because to me, I think this is a situation where Akers takes a hold of the majority of the work in this backfield. I don't know if he's going to run away with it, but I do think he handles about 60 to 70% of the work in this Rams backfield. I know they have other names like Daryl Henderson, John Kelly, Malcolm Brown. It's a pretty crowded backfield, but Akers is the one who they've made the biggest investment in. If they felt good about the guys they already had, they wouldn't have taken Akers in round two. So to me, all the signs are pointing towards Akers having a big fingerprint in this offense. And I'm really high on Cam Akers. This was someone who ran behind a really bad offensive line at Florida State. So getting him into a situation with the Rams, who, although they don't, also, they also don't have a great offensive line, I think it's a pretty good spot for him. And McVay is a smart offensive coach. So I do think it'll be able to work well and, and Akers will be successful and, and it's justified why he's now going at pick 55. The next guy I'm going to talk about really didn't see his situation change at all at the NFL draft, but that was to his benefit. And that's David Johnson with the Houston Texans. Houston didn't draft any competition. And while sure, Duke Johnson Jr. is still there, we saw how reluctant the Texans were to use him when Carlos Hyde was there in the backfield last year. Now it's it's David Johnson and Bill O'Brien has to justify himself. He has been like scorched for this trade, trading DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals and the return he received from that trade, he's got to now justify his decision. And what's the best way to do that? Make David Johnson look good. That He was the centerpiece really coming back in that trade. So now he's got to make David Johnson look good. And how is he going to do that? He's going to give Johnson the ball any chance he gets. So to me, this is a clear indication that Johnson is going to get a lot of touches. His ADP has risen from pick 65.7 to pick 45.14, which I think is reasonable. I think that's about where you should be drafting David Johnson. And I, I think you can justify his pretty drastic increase in ADP. Next up is someone who, similarly to David Johnson, saw their situation stay relatively the same at the NFL draft, and that's Anthony Miller of the Chicago Bears. While the Bears did select Daryl Mooney, wide receiver, in the fifth round, of the 2020 NFL Draft, Mooney's not going to compete with Miller for the number two job. That's pretty much a locked up position for Miller. And this is a Chicago team who could be seeing a improvement at the quarterback position with Nick Foles coming in and potentially taking over the starting job for Mitch Trubisky. I know Trubisky's been a bit of a hindrance to Anthony Miller's value and really outside of Allen Robinson there hasn't been anyone you can truly trust week in and week out in this offense so 
if Nick Foles is able to take over and is an improvement off of what we've seen from Mitch Trubisky, I think Miller is one of the people who really benefits from that. He's a really talented and skilled wide receiver, and if Foles can take a commanding hold on that position and really elevate everyone else in this offense, I think Anthony Miller is one of those guys who could see a big increase in production. And right now, his ADP is going at pick 145 when prior to the NFL draft, he was being selected at 164. So even now, you're getting him at that 12th round, 13th round range. I like that value you can get Miller at. I would try to take him late because if you can get him as a bench wide receiver, really, that's where you want to be taking him because he's got easy flex upside if Nick Foles can lift up this Bears offense, which has talented playmakers. They just haven't had someone to put the ball in their hands. Lastly on my list of risers is Raheem Mostert of the San Francisco 49ers. He's someone who saw his situation get a little bit more clear at the NFL draft with the trade of Matt Breida from the Niners to the Dolphins, which just means there's one less mouth to feed in this backfield. So while he still has to compete with Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon, however he is when he returns to this lineup, I do think Mostert proved to himself and the team last year in the postseason that he can be the lead back in this backfield I'm still a little cautious though when it comes to the 49ers backfield Shanahan loves to ride the hot hand which to me if you're investing at Monster who has shot up in the ADP department since the NFL draft prior to it in NFFC leagues he was going at pick 62.43 and, and since then he's been going at pick 52.71 I'm just a little cautious about paying that much for Mostert when guys like Tevin Coleman are going much later in drafts I think I'd rather go with Tevin Coleman who his ADP since the NFL draft has he's outside of the top 100 picks so to me I think the better value is Coleman although if you think Mostert did enough to secure himself as the lead guy then you go for it I'm I'm not going to be paying that much for Raheem Mostert in my fantasy football draft as I mentioned earlier, the draft, it's not all good. Some people, their situations get a little murkier. It's not as pretty post-NFL draft. And the first guy is Mark Ingram of the Baltimore Ravens. The addition of J.K. Dobbins really has me worried. And I don't think that same level of worry has snuck into the minds of fantasy football drafters yet. Prior to the NFL draft, Ingram's ADP was 47.08. Since then, it's dropped eight spots to pick 55.80 in ADP. So, to me, this is my concern. The Baltimore Ravens are a team that's looking to compete right now. They didn't add a running back in the second round of the NFL draft to help them two years from now or a year from now. They added J.K. Dobbins to help them out right now, which concerns me if I'm Mark Ingram because he was effective in a really good offense last year, mind you, but he was effective on a very small number of touches. There were only two games last year where Mark Ingram received 20 or more touches, and the totals in those games were 20 and 21. So it wasn't like he blew past that mark by a, a wide margin. He was hovering around anywhere between really the 15 to 20 touch range more often than not. So if Dobbins comes in and takes half of that work, we could be staring at a Mark Ingram 
who's getting single-digit touches on a weekly basis. And I know those touches are worth more in a Baltimore offense, which is able to do a great job creating space for its running backs because of the threat of Lamar Jackson. But I'm still a little worried investing in Ingram at that high or that early in a draft. I would much rather take Dobbins, who's going about 12 picks later, than I would Ingram. Next up is Damian Williams, who I've already talked a little bit about, and I'm not going to get too into it, but his ADP has dropped over 30 spots. He was going prior to the NFL draft at pick number 48.69 in NFFC leagues in ADP, and since then, his ADP has dropped. It spiraled. It has plunged to pick 79.70, and that should tell you a lot about the perception now that you know where Williams's ADP has come and gone and, and knowing where Clyde Edwards Alaire's is right now, that should tell you a lot about what you should think of Damian Williams. He's not someone I'm looking to target. I think his role in this offense is going to be reduced greatly now that they've spent a first round pick on a running back. Next up is someone who I wrote on my blog. I said you could basically copy and paste what I wrote about. Damian Williams and apply it to this player and that's Marlon Mack of the Indianapolis Colts but I think his issue is even a little more concerning really when you break it down because Mack now he has to compete with Jonathan Taylor who unlike Edwards Lair was a second round pick but he was only taken nine spots in the draft later so it's not a huge investment difference really when you break it down but not only does he have to compete with Jonathan Taylor he also has to compete with Naheem Hines because Mack He's not a great pass catcher. Jonathan Taylor, I think, is serviceable as a pass catcher. I wouldn't say he's proficient, but he's serviceable and he can get the job done. But there's no doubting Naheem Hines is superior than both in that category. So Hines is going to see the field as well, which means Mack and Taylor, I think, split up a lot of the rushing duties. And you're still going to see Hines in there on passing down. So it's a little bit of a muddled situation it's gonna be annoying for fantasy football owners all year long I think Jonathan Taylor is the superior running back Frank Reich their head coach says they want to have a one-two punch between Mack and Taylor you know how long that lasts we'll see if Taylor comes in and he's running circles around Marlon Mack I think we're gonna see Taylor take over sooner than later but There's no doubting that Marlon Mack, who's had his ADP drop from pick 49.34 to 79.80, was one of the losers of the 2020 NFL draft when we're talking about fantasy football production. Another guy who follows this theme of having someone drafted to take up part of their work is Carrion Johnson. Prior to the NFL draft, his ADP was 65.66. Since then, it has slid. It has gone right down the slide. He's in the water now. He started at the top of the water slide. He's in the water now. And that's Carrion Johnson, who is now being selected at pick 91.40. And I see him continuing to slide because I think DeAndre Swift was brought into Detroit to be the guy. And I... I do believe Carrion Johnson kind of, he didn't get the benefit of the doubt really after a rough 2019 season, but you know what? You got to play well. And Johnson, when given large volumes of work, did not produce last season. In the three games where Johnson received 15 carries or more, he averaged three and a half yards per carry or less in two of those games. And the only game where he passed that total, he had four and a half yards per carry. That was against the Kansas City Chiefs, who had just an awful 
run defense in 2019. So to me, Johnson, his role in this offense will now be able or will be keeping DeAndre Swift fresh because Swift wasn't a big volume guy at Georgia either. And I think Detroit realizes that. Johnson will be used sparingly in this offense. He'll be used to spell DeAndre Swift when he needs a break. And as someone, he's a pretty good handcuff. He'll be a good handcuff to have at fantasy football if anything happens to DeAndre Swift. But this is Swift's backfield now, in my opinion. And Johnson will be used when everything is status quo, when everyone's healthy, as more of a change of pace, a, you know, just keep Swift fresh kind of back. I don't see Johnson having very much standalone value without the presence of a possible injury for DeAndre Swift. Next up is someone who also fits the description of having someone come in at the draft and steal their work. That's Daryl Henderson of the Los Angeles Rams. His ADP prior to the NFL draft was pick 91.07. That has shot right down to pick 109.8. And to me, this is someone who, similarly to Johnson, I think is now more of a handcuff than anything because Akers is going to come in and handle the majority of the work. If the Rams felt good about the running backs that they have, and they have a few. They had a few before they drafted Akers. If they felt good about this group, they wouldn't have used a second-round pick on a running back, but they did, and Akers is the biggest investment they've spent as far as draft capital goes on a running back, so he should be the one who leads and paces this backfield. So Henderson, to me, is now someone who's going to get a very minimal amount of work and will only be really valuable or startable when an injury, or anything happens to Cam Akers. This next player who's fallen down draft boards is someone I kind of like with a little bit of sneaky value, and that's Philip Lindsay. I know the Broncos have brought in Melvin Gordon, but even with the addition of Gordon and all of the additions they've made to their receiver core, including the tight end position, I still think Philip Lindsay's got some sneaky value. I see Denver using him very similarly to the way the Chargers used Austin Eckler when both Eckler and Gordon were in that offense and Lindsay's ADP has fallen from pick 90.13 to 115.8 so he's seen about a 25 pick fall in NFFC drafts but he's someone who I think it offers a maybe sneaky weekly flex value this is someone who's done nothing but produce in a Denver offense he received over 200 carries last year and averaged four and a half yards per carry so to me, Lindsey hasn't done anything really to be completely phased out of this offense. So I could see him still having a role in Denver just because he's been a productive player when they've used him. So if they use him, I do believe it'll be similar to the way the Chargers used Eckler, which we know is good for some flex appeal, some definite flex appeal with Philip Lindsey and value to be had as he's going outside the top 100 picks currently. Michael Gallup was definitely one of the bigger fantasy football value losers at the 2020 NFL draft. And that's because the Dallas Cowboys just added a total stud in C.D. Lamb, who I think is going to catapult right away to being this team's number two option in the passing game. But the fantasy football drafters in the NFFC haven't seen it that way. Gallup's ADP, while it has fallen from pick 73.48 prior to the draft, he's now being taken in drafts since the NFL draft at pick 82.7. 
he's still going 18 picks ahead of CD Lamb, which to me is a little bit crazy. That's a little bit crazy if you ask me, because I think Lamb will walk in and immediately be the number two option in this passing game. So if I'm going to have to pick one of these two guys, I'm going to take the guy who I think is the better player 18 picks later over Gallup, who to me still hasn't fallen far enough in drafts for me to be interested he's a good receiver and the Cowboys are gonna have to throw the ball and score a lot of points in 2020 so Gallup will be a good option I think Prescott and the Cowboys can sustain three viable options for fantasy football owners in the passing game but if I were to make a pecking order of which three I'd like to have Gallup would be at the bottom of the list for sure Hunter Renfro is an interesting situation because since the Raiders drafted Henry Ruggs in the first round, his ADP has fallen from pick 152.16, and in drafts since the NFL draft, he's been taken at pick 167.3. So to me, I'm not understanding why Renfro is going later now that they've added Ruggs. If anything, to me, this is a good thing. The presence of Henry Ruggs, who plays predominantly on the outside, should be a good thing for Hunter Renfro, who is a slot receiver. Ruggs is going to get a ton more attention directed towards him. He's going to be able to stretch the field, which means things are going to open up more underneath, which is where Ruggs likes to operate. And there's going to be more attention to the outside now that Ruggs is in this offense. So not only is there going to be more attention downfield, there's also going to be more attention to the outside part of the field, which means Renfro should be able to get open easier or more easily in the middle and underneath the, the, the more intermediate and the, the short to medium passes. So Renfro, while his ADP has slid uh, more than a round in 12-team leagues, I really do like Renfro as a sneaky value too. At pick 167, you can get this guy real late in your fantasy football draft. So Renfro, another guy who his ADP is falling, but I don't think it should be. If anything, I think it should be starting to creep up a little bit more. So that does it for my review of the fantasy football ADP risers and fallers. And if you want some more information and some more in-depth detail on this subject, head over to rallytowel.ca. I've got a blog for both the risers and fallers. There's a wider list of players that I talk about and I get a little bit more in depth in the blogs too. So definitely check that out. There's some good information to be had there. And Again, uh, if you want to show your appreciation or your gratitude to the podcast, like, subscribe, leave a, a nice comment. I appreciate anything. I'm new to the podcast game. So any way that you can show your appreciation or you know your thanks or whatever it is you want to show towards this podcast, please don't be afraid to do so. Once again, thank you. My name is Steven Sahoyas. Have a good one. Stay safe out there.